This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. Hello, dear friends. We're, we have so much fun doing this. This is going to be a wonderful hour, especially because we have with us someone who is going to be able to change, really rock your world. But let me first do a little intro I always do. There is one reality where we've lived for thousands of years thinking, you know, there are many realities where at least three, there's the religious one, there's the scientific one, and then there's the one we can see and touch. But there's always been only one reality, and it's none of those three. But now, at the start of the 21st century, it's finally possible for you and me to begin to understand our one reality and to use what we're learning to wonderfully transform our lives. The core fact of your life is that you are an eternal being. You never began, you never will end, and you are infinitely loved. And knowing that changes everything. My name is Roberta Grimes. You're listening to Seek Reality on the Contact Talk Radio Network and my guest today is R. Craig Hogan, who is a dear friend of mine who changed my life, and he's going to change yours. I had spent my life researching the afterlife, and by the, first, the, the middle of the first uh, decade of this century, I'd figured it all out, but I couldn't figure out how it worked. Uh, and that was very troubling to me. And then, just as spirit would have it, um, the Amazon used to send out emails. They sent me an email saying that this book had just come out called Your Eternal Self. So it sound, sounded like it was up my alley. I bought it, and I read it, and I found that this man I had never heard of before had put together all the evidence I needed to fit what I had learned from reading the afterlife evidence into the, the reality I already knew about. Basically, he put it all together for me, and he did it so entertainingly. It's not that thick a book. He did it so entertainingly that I hardly, it, I raced through it. I went back, I read it a second time, and then I did something I've never done before. I contacted him, and I said, you've got to come to Austin, which is where I live, Austin, Texas, and you've got to come here, and you've got to tell people here what you know. So that's how I met Craig. I did something daring. I made a friend. And uh, the rest in my life is history. Um, I should just tell you, Craig, and tell you all that one of the books that Craig introduced me to is called Quantum Enigma, which explains quantum physics to people who are not physicists and does it in such a way that you understand how it affects the greater reality in which we live. Um, Bruce Rosenblum and Fred Kuttner wrote it uh, in the early part of the first decade of this century, and it changed my life as well. And, Craig, we're going to have actually have Fred Kuttner, a, a physicist who knows what he's doing, uh, as a guest on this uh, program in the fall. But meanwhile, we have you. Welcome, Craig. We're so glad you're here. really enjoy talking with you about this subject because it's so profound, and there are so many things that people don't understand about it, and we've just got to help people to understand there's a whole new world out there, and, and we want to help them to explore it. 
One of the things that we'll be talking about on a later program is why it is people don't know and why it is what what is the great conspiracy keeping it away from them. Well, there are there is an active conspiracy, but there's also a lot of passive stuff going on. It, inertia is a very powerful force. Um, but I think one day everyone is going to know all this. It'll be obvious and so obvious that they'll say, well, we always knew that. But we didn't always know that. Um, today, um, and we're in already amazingly in the year 2013, people don't know this stuff. So what I'm going to ask Craig to do, I, I sort of wanted to do the whole book, but that would take probably a year of hour-long um, programs. So what we're going to concentrate on today is talking about your mind. This is an area in science where science is very confused because scientists believe that reality is physical, which it's not, um, and they, therefore they assume that all of uh, it's all explainable physically. And wh- where does your mind come from? It has to be generated in your brain, doesn't it? Because otherwise, where does it come from? Well, there is abundant evidence that it's not generated in your brain at all. So we're going to begin by talking about that, and if there's time toward the end of the hour, we'll talk about some of the other highlights from Your Eternal Self. But the book is Your Eternal Self by R. Craig Hogan. It's available on Amazon, and um, if you haven't read it, I urge you to get it today. Craig, it's yes. yours. Wonderful. Here we go. All right, here we go. We know that the mind is not in the brain, and this is uh, something which startles people, but uh, there, the evidence is abundant. Uh, one of the things we know is that no neuroscientist will say that the mind is in the brain, that they know where it is, or how the mind could be generated by a brain, or where memories could be stored in the brain, or how memories could be stored in the brain. No neuroscientist will say that that's true. And what they will say is, well, we'll know within a decade, or we'll know within 15 years, uh, it's called promissory science, and what that means is that they're promising that they'll discover this, and as a result of that, then people who are materialists, which means that they believe there's only the physical realm, uh, the people who are materialists latch onto that and say, well, the problem is solved. You know, we're going to know within 10 or 15 years. But promissory <laughs> science does not help you to understand where the mind is because the fact that we have no evidence that the mind is in the brain uh, this is called the hard problem of consciousness. David Chalmers, who's um, director of the Center for Consciousness at Australian National University, uh, coined that phrase. The hard problem is the fact that no neuroscientist, no brain surgeon, no one who studies in this field who is a scientist knows how consciousness could come out of the brain, where consciousness is in the brain, how memories could be stored in the brain, or how or where they are in the brain. So. The physicians don't know that, and uh, there are many scientists today who are saying that because that's true, they surmise that the mind is not in the brain, and they're right. We know that that's true. Uh, One example is Wilder Penfield, who was uh, a Canadian, and uh, during his lifetime he was considered the foremost Canadian in the sciences, and he had spent his whole life as a brain surgeon looking for the mind in the brain. He would stimulate the brain when people were uh, under the knife, and uh, they would be conscious during that period of time, and he could make things happen. They could twitch a leg, or they could uh, bring up a, a small segment of a memory. But during the entire time of his lifetime, when he was looking for consciousness in the brain, he could never find it there. And he ended up at the end of his life saying that he believed that the consciousness 
has an impact on the brain but is not in the brain. So we know that that's true. The scientists know that, that, they, that they can't find the mind in the brain. And I'm going to tell you some of the evidence that we have that the mind is not in the brain. First, the brain doesn't have the capacity to hold mind or memories. Uh, the work has been done by Simon Berkovich, who's a Dutch brain researcher, and Hans Roman, who are working independently of each other. They came to the same conclusion that it is impossible for the brain to store everything you think and experience in your life. Simply watching an hour of television would already be too much for our brain. An hour of television would fill the brain. I remember so this from reading the book. It was stunning to read that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it couldn't possibly be held in the brain. There is no capacity in the brain to be able to hold all those memories. And, and the cells, if there were, uh, the cells would have to be dedicated to that. So in other words, a memory that you had when you were four years old would have to be yeah. dedicated to several billion cells inside the brain. They couldn't be used for anything else or you'd lose that memory. Wow. So uh, they couldn't possibly be, you'd have to have all of these cells uh, every day of your life, every memory that you create would have to create more cells that were dedicated to that memory and they'd have to stay with you your whole life. And of course that's impossible. Uh, and the researchers found that that was true. An hour of television would be too much for the brain. So we know that the the brain couldn't hold memories, and so we know that they might have to be stored someplace else. Um, other evidence: we people have had what are called hemispherectomies, and in a hemispherectomy, half of the brain is removed. And this is for maladies that a person has that are just not responsive to any other therapy. And what they do is to remove half the brain and that then will take care of the malady in many circumstances. But what they found was when they removed half the brain, didn't matter which half, the person was still able to re function perfectly normally. Their personalities wow. were the same. The memories were the same. And in fact, the studies that have been done of children who have had uh, hemispherectomies show that they actually performed better in their schoolwork. After the, <laughs> wow. So if you have half a brain, then, yeah. uh, then you would do better in schoolwork. And, and uh, so we have the evidence that taking out half the brain doesn't make any difference in, in uh, functioning, which means the mind's got to be someplace else. Because if you take out half the brain, you think you lose half the mind. And the mind is not lost at all. Uh, in fact, we, there are other circumstances in which people have had brain scans later in their life and uh, they've been found to have no brain uh, or very, very little brain. And there's um, one circumstance in which a, there was a man in France. Uh, he was a married father of two children. He worked as a civil servant. He lived a perfectly normal life. And when he was 44 years old, they had to take a scan of his brain for an, another uh, difficulty that he was having. And they found that his, his skull was filled with a huge fluid-filled chamber called a ventricle that took up most of the room in his skull and that was a, a malfunction in, in, uh, at birth that had uh, made this huge cavity uh, it oh left my. little more than a very thin sheet which is about the thin the thickness of a fingernail of actual brain tissue on the outside of this ventricle he had virtually no brain but he functioned perfectly normally wow. he was able to, to do motor functions he was able to uh, he had uh, two children. He worked as a civil servant successfully. Uh, and, and there are many circumstances that we have, many accounts of people who we found out later in their life that they have no brain, but yet they function perfectly normally. There couldn't be a circumstance like that 
if the mind was in the brain. So we know that it's not. Uh, and I'm going to continue rolling on. Did you have any questions so far? No, I, I'm I, frankly I. No, since I've read your book several times, and mm-hmm. my, the, I was looking at the copy I have. It's all dog-eared with, from all the pages I've turned down. Um, I, I know all this stuff, but I, it, other people don't, and I think it's important that I just let you talk and tell us what Good. what you know. Okay, well, let me, so, let so let me go, go ahead. On. All right, uh, the next area that we know that the mind is not in the brain, uh, it's possible for someone to sit someplace and close their eyes and focus on Another area could be thousands of miles away, and there could be a a target there. And a a target means that it's anything. It could be an object or it could be a picture. And the person is able to describe details about the target that's thousands of miles away accurately without any difficulty. And it's such a common phenomenon for people to be able to do that that there are actually clubs that do that. There's one in uh, Hawaii called the Hawaii Remote Viewers Guild, and uh, it's like it's like they get together for bowling, and so instead of bowling, <laughs> what they do is they sit down and they remote view, and and they're very yeah. successful at it. And there was a program that was done by uh, the CIA in which we were having people spy on the Russians. This is during the Cold War, and they had a, a group of people who were remote viewers, and they would sit down and close their eyes, and they would have somebody who was sitting next to them recording what they were saying. And they would describe things that were in the Soviet Union at the time. Uh, they described at one point Pat Price, who was one of the remote viewers, had described a uh, facility that was had a huge crane. It looked like a crane, and it was making something very large. And he described what it was like. And it turned out that uh, when they did uh, surveillance of that area and took photographs that there was a gantry crane, which is a huge crane that goes across a whole field, and uh, it, it's for moving large objects. And they were building uh, huge submarines that were called the, the Typhoon class of submarines. And they were building these submarines, and Pat Price had actually viewed that. He knew that that was what was going on there. The uh, well, remote the great viewers... about your book, I just wanted to say, is you have a lot of pictures in it of things like this. I mean, Well, yeah, of uh, my own it, remote It's arresting view. when you see a picture <laughs> drawn by because, somebody a million miles away who's, yeah. who's just seeing it in his mind, and then you see the photograph, and you say, oh, my God, that's yeah, incredible. Those pictures are... Uh, I had had... Uh, I occasionally will have some people uh, contact me and say, you know, I'd like to know more about this remote viewing thing, and I'd like to see a demonstration. And so I say, well, I'll do one for you. And uh, so that I tell them to put a target on a table. I'm better at, at using objects, so I'm better at seeing objects that are far away from me. And uh, a man from New Jersey had contacted me and, and said he'd like to see it. And so all I knew was uh, that he was in New Jersey uh, and that he was going to put something on a table. So that's all I knew. And so I sat down and remote viewed it, and uh, when I remote viewed the table, I got some descriptions and made sketches, and and uh, I sent them to him, I, attached to an email. He looked at them, and uh, at first, uh, there were things that, that uh, we were looking in his office, and there I saw a banker's light, what looked like a banker's light, with the... Um, the gold shade on the top, and a uh, green shade on the top, and, and gold yes. below it, and light coming down. And and he said, "Oh yes, that was that was on the same table as the target. That wasn't what the target was." And that'll happen when I remove you, and uh, I will get things anywhere in the room. For some reason, my consciousness will walk around the room and look at things. 
And I have no control over that. It just goes anywhere it wants to and finds other things in the room. Craig, but he Craig, said, let's, no, let's but for, the, break, for the rest of it, uh, the target, it, it didn't seem that like it fit the target that well that it was in that room. Craig, let, let's stop went, just for a moment and yeah. we'll do a break here. And when we come back, you're going to get to find out, everyone, uh, what the target was, because I think this is a fascinating story. This is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and R. Craig Hogan on the Contact Talk Radio Network, and we'll be right back. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her, and the result is her book, the fun of dying find out what really happens next roberta's book is cliff notes to 200 years of abundant and consistent afterlife evidence it will show you why extinction is impossible for you explain how you can enjoy the death process and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all available on amazon in kindle and in print The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know. So she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. That's me uh, on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Now, Contact Talk Radio Network is consciousness in action. What we're doing today is learning about what our, more about what our consciousness is and where it's located, and it turns out has nothing to do with your brain. My guest today is the wonderful, incomparable R. Craig Hogan, a dear friend of mine, and he's telling us where your consciousness actually is and what it is. So we were in the process of talking about uh, remote viewing, and uh, in remote viewing what happens is the remote viewer sits and concentrates on something anywhere in the world, anywhere in time. And uh, as a result of that, then is able to see and uh, get impressions about, get emotions, get uh, senses of feel, uh, hearing things that are thousands of miles away. And um, I had a, a man named Bill Walker who lived in, uh, he's actually a, a computer scientist who lived in New Jersey, and I'm in Illinois, and he wanted me to demonstrate remote viewing for him, and so I sat down and uh, he said that he was going to put something on the table in his office. And, and so I remote viewed it, and I didn't get the, the target the first time uh, because the sketches were of 
some things in his office that were close to the target, but it wasn't the target. That very often happens. I have no control over consciousness and where it goes when it goes out there. But then he, when he went home, he looked on a table in his home, and there was what I had sketched. Exactly <laughs> really? What I had sketched on a table in his home. So I was looking for a table, in, uh, um, Bill Walker's table is what I was looking for. And it turned out that I was looking on a table in his home, and then he looked around, and, and some of the other sketches were sketches of other things that were on tables in his home. So uh, we started uh, looking at the, at, uh, we decided we were going to do another session, and uh, he was going to put something else on a table in his home, and I remote viewed that, and sure enough, I came up with what was on the table in his home, and not only that, but this second one was a plant, and then I started uh, sketching plants, just uh, different plants and different circumstances, and it turned out that I was going from table to table throughout his house looking at plants. And I oh, have no goodness. idea. I have no control over that. My my consciousness simply goes around and does this. But but we know for a fact that people can do this. And it was done by the the CIA. The CIA was doing it. And then the studies were done to make sure that this really was real. This was commissioned by the government. Uh, they had the uh, Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Lab, the Pear Laboratory, do studies of it. Uh, they had Science uh, Applications uh, International do a study of it. They, they had um, the Stanford Research Institute do a study. These are all commissioned by the government. And what they found, that there, there was no doubt about the fact that in these studies, people were able to sit down and they were able to get these impressions and knowledge about things. Uh, and the odds against being by chance were, were billion and billions to one. Uh, so there's no doubt about the fact that the remote viewing actually works. We have the scientific evidence that it works. Now, what this means is, there's no orifice in my head that is going to get something that's going to that's a thousand miles away. It can't come right. into my head. Uh, electromagnetism doesn't go that far. You know, it couldn't, won't go over the horizon. But we also have done uh, studies have been done of remote viewers who sit in Faraday cages, which are cages that are lead lined, and in these lead lined cages, electromagnetism cannot come in. So there is, and they're perfectly able to remote view and, and with the same ability. In fact, they've done it with uh, submarines that have been two miles down uh, oh, under the ocean. You're and kidding, really? Underwater? Mm -hmm. Remote viewing. Oh, my, oh so my then goodness. A remote viewer would remote view what was in the submarine two miles down underwater and perf with perfect accuracy. So we know the fact that, that this has, there are no electromagnetic signals, there are no other signals, they're instantaneous, and a person is able to see things and, and get impressions about them from anywhere in the world. Uh, and it can be from any time. I did one remote view in which I, uh, I was remote viewing a picture, and this is a target that someone had put online. And, and uh, there are these online if somebody wants to try them. I have a, a test to remote viewing at greaterreality.com. And so anyone can take the test and see how they can do it remote viewing. But I have targets, which means that a picture and a person can uh, then focus on the picture and see what they can get and then look at the picture afterwards. But uh, I was doing a target and uh, I didn't know what it was, of course. You just sit down and you have the identifier, which is a series of numbers or letters that have no meaning except that they just identify out of the billion things in the universe this one particular thing that they're going to look at. And so I, I sat down and looked at this, and, and I was getting uh, the sound of horses. Uh, I could hear the clopping of, the, of their feet. I saw campfires. I saw uh, armor. It was uh, body armor. Uh, I also saw decaying flesh. 
but uh, I had seen other things that had to do with horses and uh, being out in, in encampments. And it turned out that they, uh, when I did look at the, the photograph, the photograph was of a burial in England of an Anglo-Saxon warrior with his horse. Oh, so my, the horse really? and the Anglo-Saxon warrior were together in the burial. And what you saw in the burial in the picture was just the bone. The bones were exposed, and you could see them in the dirt. But what happened was my consciousness took me back to the time when the Anglo-Saxon warrior was alive. And I was oh, seeing the goodness. encampments. I was hearing the horse. Uh, I saw his armor that, that, that he had been wearing. So my consciousness took me back to what would have been prior to uh, the 10th century, uh, to that Anglo-Saxon warrior in England, and I was that's extraordinary. That. Craig, yeah, were, were, so were you we always no this psychic? I'm sorry, what? Were you always this psychic? No, I didn't realize that I had the, the, these abilities until uh, about 1997, and I was drawn to it. So th- and this is something which is, I was meant to do. All of this is what I was meant to do. Uh, but I was drawn to it. I started meeting psychics, and uh, just one after another, and, and then I realized that I had these abilities. I, I realized that I, I have a psychometry ability. I can hold things in my hand and know about them. When, when I first found this out, I had gone to a psychic, and uh, the psychic had told me that I had psychometry ability, that I could hold things in my hand and read about uh, things that had to do with the person who owned them, uh, or I could see things with them. And she said, uh, go home and test this. Uh, she said, take a, a deck of cards, and one at a time, just take it without looking at the card, face down, put the card face down on the palm of your hand. And then when you put it on the palm of your hand, if it feels like it's cold, that's black. If it feels like it's warm, then that's red. And uh, then make piles, and then after you've done several of them, then look at the piles. So I did that. I, I, I put the cards in my hand without looking at them, face down, and made two piles. One was the cold pile, one was the warm pile. And after I had done about 20 of them, I, I, I tired of it. And I turned over the cold pile, which would have been black, and every one of them was black. Wow. And then I turned <laughs> over the, the red pile, the one that was warm, and every one except one was red. And so I realized then that I had psychic ability. I had been told I would have psychic ability. Uh, and then after that, that's when I started making the discoveries. And then because I made those discoveries, I realized there's a whole lot more to life than yes. what we see, what we experience. And that's when I started uh, studying the afterlife and afterlife communications. And then I dedicated my life to it. So I'm continuing with that right now. So, uh, and, and that's the fact that the mind is not in the brain is the first thing that we need to realize because yes. if the mind is in the brain, if, if the mind is secreted by the brain, the way the adrenal glands secrete adrenaline, then once the brain goes away, then the mind must stop. But we know that that's not true. The evidence is that the mind continues. We are eternal beings, and we have all the evidence to show that that's true. People just would read the evidence. The scientists who, who deny that don't read the evidence. They don't have any knowledge of it, so they're ignorant. Uh, and uh, you can be skeptical, but not everybody should be skeptical but not ignorance, and uh, that's yeah. the situation that they're in now. 
Yeah, uh, no, that that's absolutely true, and it's frustrating to me. But what I have to learn is that uh, we aren't in charge. This is all being done at a level far above a spiritual level, far above our pay grade. So um, our part is just to, as you said, do our part. This is what you're supposed to do, and this is what, this is what I'm doing. Do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, not that's necessarily right, well, right. but do, by doing it. Yeah, um, and we all feel that way that we're not doing as much as we wish we could, but uh, we're doing what we can. Uh, we, we're working with teams. There are teams on the other side who work with us, and uh, and you know about uh, about your teams, and, and I know about mine. I I even know the the woman who was heading up the team that helped me to write your eternal self, and she was a woman I had known when uh, she was on the Earth plane. Her name is uh, Greta Alexander. She was a, a local uh, psychic detective here in uh, in Illinois, and uh, she had passed, and and. Uh, I had had a reading with a medium, a talented medium uh, named Lori Campbell, who was at the University of Arizona, and uh, she had said to me that there was a woman who came through, and, and she described her, and she said she's dancing now, and uh, it's because she was very uh, morbidly obese. She couldn't dance when she was uh, on the airplane, but there in the afterlife, she was dancing, and she was showing her that to, to let me know that she was able to dance there. But she said uh, to Laurie Campbell, the medium, that that she knew that I was writing a book, and she would like to write the book with me uh, <laughs> from the other side. She'd always wanted to write a book, and uh, and so she said she would write it with me on the other side. So I, I uh, wondered about that. You know, I, I, I asked her, I do automatic writing which means that I sit down uh, and I will let my mind go to the other side and I'll focus on the other side. And then anything that comes through, uh, the words that come through, I'll scribble them down as quickly as I can. So they bypass my conscious mind and they simply come from the other side and and go right onto paper, pen and paper. And uh, she had told me, incidentally, when when, uh, I was with her, she said, put pen to paper, put pen to paper. She kept saying that to me. And my first contact with her was through pen to paper. But anyway, I uh, said to her, uh, I uh, threw pen to paper. I was sitting there with a pen in my hand and uh, the paper. And I said to her, how do I know this is really you, Greta? And she said, test me, test me. And I scribbled this down. And I said, well, what, what's the headline going to be on MSNBC, that the online MSNBC in the next few days? And she said, uh, uh, Ivan targets Cuba, very clearly. And I scribbled that down. And so next couple of three days, I watched. I knew that there was a hurricane coming from that was way out in the Atlantic called Ivan. And and, uh, and then about three days later, sure enough, there it was on MSNBC, Ivan targets Cuba. Wow. And I printed it out. I still have the printout of it. Uh, that wonderful. And that's only on for a few minutes. The headlines all change. But I was brought to, to look at the computer at that particular time to catch that. And uh, so I knew that she was speaking to me from the afterlife about about this book. So, so she, she and the team on the other side worked with me to write the book. We have teams working with us, and all we have to do is partner with them. Just have to be open. I, I have to just say that key. the dedication to this, to mm-hmm. your eternal self, is to Greta Alexander. You finally wrote your book, which, mm-hmm. which to me is very touching. A lot of people may not understand that Greta wrote it with you from over there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they they don't. And and on the front of it, I have uh, uh, by Art Craig Hogan et alia, which means yeah, right. with others. Everybody else, right? And the others are the team on the other side, and, and people don't realize that. 
Uh, they I think, think that, that I'm that's referring what happens. to. We, we, we all realize we couldn't do this without no, the couldn't. help of people who know much right. more than we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, so it's very help. humbling, but it's exciting, too, because well, they, they enjoy working with us even more than we enjoy yes. working with them, apparently. It's, and they're it's excited about all it. of us. They're really excited about it. I, I had um, uh, a guided afterlife connection, and, and uh, in a guided afterlife connection, the uh, psychotherapist, this is, is done only by state-licensed psychotherapists, uh, so sitting in the psychotherapist's office, a client will go into a state of openness and receptivity, and they'll actually have a connection with their loved one on the other side. And uh, the results of those are, are 95% are better of a success rate in having these connections. And I, when I first learned about Rochelle Wright's work out in Washington, she's a Washington State Licensed Psychotherapist, uh, I had already written a book with uh, Alan Botkin, uh, who was a uh, counselor with the VA hospital in uh, North Chicago. And uh, I had already done a book with him about his work in which he had had people come through and have afterlife connections while sitting in his office. And uh, then I found out about Rochelle Wright in Washington, who was also doing the same thing, but she had improved on the, the procedure, had a wonderful procedure that she's developed, and, and I recommend anybody to go through it. But uh, she, uh, I wanted to find out about the comparison between what she was doing and what Alan Botkin had done, so I had, had her do one with me. And so she did one with me, and, and that was a wonderful, just uplifting, incredible experience with, with my grandparents and with my parents who came through, and, and I had conversations with them, and, and uh, they assured me that, they, that they're, uh, they're very happy where they are, and and at the end of it, though, I said, uh, you know, I'd like to see if the team working with me on the other side has anything to say. And uh, so then I went into the, this state of receptivity with her, with Rochelle Wright, and she, uh, I had the experience of seeing a, a large conference table in a room, and seated around the conference table were people. And I knew they were there, but I couldn't identify them or see them so clearly that I would know the face. But I knew that there was a large conference table, and I could see the people around it, and they were all smiling, and uh, and they got up and they were shaking my hand, and, and uh, that was the team on the other side, and they were they were saying, "You're doing fine. This is what we want you to do. This is the work that we have in mind for you." And I said, "Well, you know, where are we going with this? What are we doing with this?" And and they showed me an easel at the end of the conference table, and on it I could see that there were things that were inscribed, and and there were sketches on it, and and they said. The plan is already in place. Just follow the plan, is what they said to me. But this, this wow. happiness, this joy that they had at being with me, at congratulating me and, and shaking my hand, that's the joy they feel on the other side when these teams are working with us. And we yes. all have people on the other side working with us every day. Every person has guides and loved ones on the other side, the source, you know, God, the higher power. These, they're all intertwined with our lives every day. And all we have to do is be open. All we have to do is listen and, and understand. And a, a large part, we're, we're finding out now how to help people to listen. So we're able to do I, this. And, and uh, there's a, my self-guided afterlife connections that are online now and free to anybody who wants to use them. Uh, we're having 86% connections. Just sitting I, in somebody's living room. I think it's important to to make this point, even as for, as fortunately as you have, and even more so. Anyone listening to these words has the ability to do exactly all the things that 
that Craig does, or I mean, I'm not psychic. I basically that's not my gift. But he didn't start out psychic either. He just showed no. up. Mm-hmm. If if you want to do something with your life which is enormously meaningful, the thing you need to do is ask God what what the plan mm-hmm. is for you. Just say, "Here I am, God," and believe me, you'll be used, and in a way that will make you happier than anything. Trust me on this. Anything you could think up yourself is nothing compared to what God will think up for you. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Seek Reality on the Contact Talk Radio Network. I'm Roberta Grimes, uh, and we will be right back. When we come back, if you have a question or a comment, um, the number is one eight seven seven two three zero three zero six two. And our guest is R. Craig Hogan. We're going to talk in the third hour about, okay, your mind is not in your brain. Where the heck is it? We'll be right back. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon, in Kindle, and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know. So she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Um, we're consciousness in action, and today what we're doing is talking about where our consciousness is. My guest is the wonderful R. Craig Hogan, who wrote a book, Your Eternal Self, that changed my life, and it will change yours. Um, you can get it on Amazon, and basically it gives you in amazingly few pages everything you need to know about um, what's actually going on from the viewpoint of trying to understand, um, you know, the physical aspects of it and the fact that the reality is far greater than anything we could possibly imagine. He was the one who turned me on to beginning to understand what all the afterlife evidence was telling me. And Dr. Hogan has been talking to us about the fact that our minds are not generated by our brains. They're not in our brains. I guess I assume that the only reason they're, they're contacted to our to our bodies to some extent but there there it's a it's a i i sometimes tell people you know what you really are is a uh or your brain really is is a two-way radio and a meat robot head 
That's, that's not good. exactly that's what's going good. on, but it, but it kind of is. Mm, uh, mm-hmm, kind of. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the body is, is, is something which we use in the physical realm. This is Earth School. So we're all in Earth School, and we've chosen to be here. We all had planned to be here together. And so while we're in Earth School, we really need to have explanations for things, and we need to be able to go through the simulations. We need to go through the exercises. And so we need a body. We need something that we can identify so we can see somebody coming down the street and we know that who that person is. And But the, the idea that that person coming down the street and we are separate is an illusion. We're not separate. Our minds are together. Our minds are one, and, and we are one with the higher power, with the source. Uh, as Amit Goswami, the, the uh, quantum physicist, said, there is nothing but God. There is nothing but God. And uh, we are part of that. We are part of, uh, of that, uh, that wholeness, that oneness. But uh, this illusion that we're separate is something which we have to uh, overcome. So we yes. spend a large part of our lives overcoming this idea that we are somehow separate from each other. Our minds are not in the, in the body, so we're not separate from someone else. Our minds are outside of the body, but it's m- more uh, appropriate to say that our minds are everything. Our minds are existence, and that all of the things that we see in the physical realm are just illusions. They're scenery. The play, the drama, is actually what's going on in that greater reality that we're part of. And we can access that. So we can go to that the mind that is in the greater reality, which means we can go into someone else's mind, the mind of God, the mind of, of people who are living on the other planes of life. And all we have to do to do that is shut down the physical realm. So we close our eyes and we go into a state of relaxation. We learn how to do that. And once we've done that, then everything is accessible to us. So our minds are everything that is outside of the physical realm. It is uh, we are eternal. We had no beginning. We have no end. We cannot be. Uh, we cannot have a, a difficulty such as being damaged or, or such as dying. There is no no such thing as death. And uh, the the illusion that we have in the physical realm is that somehow we could be separated from someone by death. But that is an illusion, and it's part of Earth School. Everything has a beginning. Everything has an end. Uh, everything has to change. We have to go through different circumstances in Earth School so that we can have different challenges. So we yes. can go through different experiences. And there is how we learn. That's how we learn to be more loving and compassionate, to be close to one another, to understand that we don't have a difference and we are not separate, and to become closer to the higher power, to God. Because uh, yeah. the more we rely, we rely upon what's called the Holy Spirit, uh, it's God, it's the higher power, the more we learn how to rely upon the guidance and, and the intuition and, and the, uh, the hints that we get, the more we're able to be successful and happy and contented and joyful in this lifetime, this brief lifetime. So the, the mind is outside of the brain, and the mind is one, it is part, in partnership with everyone else and everything else that's ever existed. And so all we have to do is allow that to happen. All we have to do is allow that to come through. And that's where the mind is. I think is. what's exciting about your book and about your work at, at that stage, I know you've moved on to other things which we're talking about as well uh, on this program and other segments, but um, what's exciting about it is that if... If people care about or wonder about um, death and comes after death, 
That's the wrong way to do it. The right way to do it is to say, okay, what is life? What is reality? Uh, is it what we see around us or is there something more? And when you, when you do that investigation, um, as Dr. Hogan has done, you come to understand that the, the real reality is quite apart from what we see as physical. This is such a pure illusion, actually, around us. Um, and it is in that greater reality that all of us always live, where with our loved ones, they're actually right in the same place we are. There is no such thing as distance or, or, or location in the reality in which all of us live. And when you, when you kind of get that, it's so much easier to understand, yes, my loved one is alive, always has been. It's impossible for my loved one to be dead. Um, I, I run Afterlife Forums, which is a, a site about the afterlife, and we get a lot of people who are grieving and just desperate to, to just know he or she is okay. Yes, they're okay. They're worried about us because because of the way our society is. We don't understand how reality works or what it is, so we think it's possible for someone to die. That causes so much pain. And that's one of the reasons, I think, Craig, that you and I do this work is Mm -hmm. to alleviate the pain that people feel surrounding death. Death is from that perspective, from the perspective of most of reality, death is a joyous thing. Mm-hmm. It's the day you get to graduate. It's go graduation back. day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And go, and go back to real life. The dead mm-hmm. tell us that's what's real. This is the illusion. That's right. Kind of yeah. turns things around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and at that time, and we have a new relationship. And so that's what we're focusing on now in, in, in our work. Uh, we have a new relationship with the person who is on the other side now. They're there. They're available to us. They're only a thought away so that that person who is now living on the next plane of life is available to us at any time. They receive our thoughts. They understand what it is that we're thinking. So if we ask them to come to us, they will come. We're not interrupting their, them in whatever they're doing. They're, they're perfectly willing to come to us in the same way that we just love to get a phone call from a loved one. Uh, yes. that we don't mind being interrupted when a loved one calls because we just love to hear from them. The same thing is true over there, and, and they then will be able to come to us. They uh, very often will look in on us and visit us uh, at other times. Uh, people notice that soon after their, their passing or transition off of the earth plane, that for a period of time they'll get the sense of presence, and the sense of presence is just as real as seeing or hearing. It's a yes. real sense. And the sense of presence that they'll get within the next uh, weeks or months after a passing uh, is stronger. There are more of them in that time. And then they gradually diminish. And the reason is that the person has gone on to they're living their life on, on the other side, but they're always available. They're only a thought away. And, and, if, you, and if you say, uh, you know, Mom, I'd really like to talk with you this afternoon, then they'll come to you. And all we have to do is learn how to receive what they're saying to us, what they're giving to us. And, yeah. and, we, and we can teach people how to do that. Yeah, it, this, this is um, a wonderful time to be alive because we're right on the edge of some wonderful, I think, um, discoveries breaking into uh, just everyone's life. It'll be impossible not to know these things very soon. But mm-hmm. one thing I want to make sure we emphasize is this. You, you mentioned a, a physicist who at the end of his life said, the only thing that is is God. That's a core truth. There is nothing else. 
Mm. God isn't a separate being. God has no beard. God doesn't have a face. God is all that there is. Mm -hmm. God is consciousness, and we are part of that consciousness. This is hard for people to grasp sometimes because, you know, we can see that we seem to be in a body. We are consciousness with God. We're part of God. We are eternal just as God is. God is real. But on the other hand, maybe God isn't real because the God with the beard that gets angry with you doesn't Mm -hmm. exist. Mm -hmm. All that exists is this extraordinary, infinitely loving reality, which is consciousness, and everything else is illusion. Mm -hmm. Knowing knowing that changes everything because you you live on a much bigger frame. It changes everything about your life to have Mm -hmm. the comfort of knowing you're the most beloved possible child of an infinitely powerful consciousness, which is eternal, and that's God. Mm Yeah, Jesus knew all this stuff. We're going to do a program just talking about the things Jesus said that showed that all the things that we're talking about, Jesus told us 2,000 years ago, but the people listening didn't understand what he was saying. But one insight he did give us, and he said, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. He never said, love your neighbor as if he were yourself. We, We read that in in our minds. But he was saying, love your neighbor as yourself because your neighbor is yourself. Mm-hmm. That's true, and uh, that makes a difference in, in your perspective on the universe, on, on who you are, and, and who and other everything. people are. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. on, on everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, as we go through uh, Earth School, as we're here with each other. Uh, part of our responsibility is is to grow spiritually, to be loving and compassionate, and to understand and listen to the Holy Spirit or higher self or higher power. Uh, so part of our, our our mission then is to to listen, uh, but another part of it is to help other people to listen. Uh, we are servants, and the more we can see ourselves as servants to other people, the the more we can live with them in harmony and peace and brotherhood. The more we can help them to grow as well, and the more joy we'll have in our lives. So a large part of it is is understanding that we love other people. We are servants of other people. In the eventual world in which there is uh, rather like a heaven on earth, uh, we will be so busy trying to take care of other people's needs that we won't even think about our own needs. uh, That's true. And and mm -hmm. one of the things that's important to emphasize is that it makes you happy. You just said Mm -hmm. that. And and I just want to make sure people understand. I used to be religious. Being religious was a little bit of a comfort, but it was nothing like knowing the truth about about God and your relationship to God. That makes you deeply happy, and it mm-hmm. does make you want to serve other people out of pure joy in the serving of other people. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Craig. I get all excited by the things you're saying, so please go on. Oh, yeah. yeah it is exciting. It is exciting. And, uh, and, and people need to realize that. People need to understand that. But uh, uh, Jesus said, Yeshua, Yeshua bar Yosef, uh, said uh, in the first century was that the uh, the kingdom of heaven is all around us, that uh, but men do not see it. And right. and what he was saying by that is we can enter the the kingdom of heaven anytime. All we have to do is have a change uh, of of heart. The uh, what what he said was uh, uh, re- it was mistranslated as repent. The, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. And uh, really, the, the, name, the word is not repent. It's metanoia, which means to have a change of heart. Have a change of mind, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, then, then all we have to do is have a change of mind, and we enter the kingdom of heaven. 
because heaven is here. I mean, it is a possibility for anybody to have this joy and this peace and love for other people, a brotherhood, and, and uh, if the whole world had that, we wouldn't have things like wars, and we wouldn't have to have uh, $400 billion of defense uh, budget oh, uh, if we just knew the fact that we are one with other people, that we are brothers and sisters with other people, and that if we treat them as we would like to be treated, then we'll be so busy tra- taking care of every other person's needs that we won't even have needs of our own. We won't even feel needs of our own. And that's the way what, that life what? should be. What a wonderful way for us to be coming toward the end of our hour to talk about the fact that Jesus said, have a change of heart, and the kingdom of God is right here. Mm-hmm. He, th- this is, uh, is going to be a whole new way of looking at and thinking about the teachings of Jesus. One of the joys, of, frankly, for me has been that I was able to um, think basically beyond religions, but take Jesus with me. Jesus has been there all along and we're going to talk about that in another program but meanwhile um, I'll just say I'm Roberta Grimes and my book is The Fun of Dying Find Out What Really Happens Next my wonderful guest is R. Craig Hogan and his book is Your Eternal Self both of these books are available on Amazon uh, in Kindle and print and also I think on Barnes and Noble and um, we just I suggest you read his book. Read his book. You won't even need mine. Um, it's it's important, I think, that all of us do what we can to nourish our spirits, and that's what we're talking about today. Do you have any, any last words? Oh, last words is that everybody should be joyful. All you have to do is, is open up your hearts and understanding, and, and you'll find the joy that's there because it's a reality, and we're finding that reality now. It's possible to live in joy. When you know the truth, Jesus mm-hmm. said the truth will set you free, and boy, mm-hmm. it does. It sets That's you free right. to be so happy in your life. Mm-hmm. I hope you'll join us next week. Our guest is going to be Carol Morgan, who became a friend of mine after a tragedy. Um, her son, Mikey, died at the age of 20 in what was theoretically an accident. Mikey is in spirit and communicating with his mother, and their story is an unbelievable one. But it's true. I'm satisfied that it's true. So I'm going to share with you the wonderful Carol Morgan and her extraordinary son, Mikey, um, next week at this time. Um, meanwhile, please, of course, visit us on afterlifeforums.com and join the discussion there. Carol and Mikey actually have their own thread there. They're, the things that Mikey says are so so absolutely accurate in terms of um, everything that we will be talking about on this um, program and all the segments of it. And yet Carol doesn't know any of this stuff, and I know that because I know Carol. Um, But he has done such a wonderful job there educating the people that there's a separate thread there for Carol and Mikey. If you go to afterlifeforums.com this week, you'll get to know them ahead of time. We'll we'll be talking with R. Craig Hogan again soon because he knows so much about so many things, and frankly, he's my friend. I love having him on, so we'll be having him on on other programs. The next time that we'll we're going to be speaking with him about his work in afterlife communications, extraordinary, and we'll be talking with him about his um, his work with uh, trying to understand the negative spirits in the world. So again, this is Roberta Grimes. Go out this week. Make the most of the week knowing that there's only one reality, and in that one reality, you are an eternal being infinitely, infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, joyous conversations about your eternal life. 
To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com. Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are.